and welcome to the Words and Pictures podcast. I'm DJ Bowman-Smith and this is Words and Pictures podcast number 40. This week I'm going to have a solo episode, simply because it is episode 40. I'm going to be talking a little bit about what it's like to run a podcast and I'll be talking about some other indie author stuff and writing stuff in general and some advertising stuff, specifically TikTok shop. So stick around for that. So at my desk this week, well, at my desk this week, more of the same, really. I'm just finishing up the editing process um, for my upcoming book, The Midwitch, and it's going pretty well. I'm just about there. I, I've had to go back, having look at, looked at it through the editor's eyes, I've gone back and made a few sort of slightly bigger changes. So that's looking pretty good. I think there never comes a time when you can't go back and see something else that needs to be changed. I think at some point very soon now, I'm going to start getting it formatted and proofread and calling it a day. So I do believe it is nearly there. So happy days. Um, if you'd like to be a, an ARC reader for The Midwitch, you can find um, links here and everywhere, wherever you'll find me. Um, so do come along if you fancy being an ARC reader for that. OK, so that's me at the desk working on the editing, but also um, I've been working on my book cover, which is also nearly there. And it's book covers, which I'm going to have a quick chat about right now. As I've often said before, I am also an artist and um, so therefore I do do my own artwork. So pretty much anything that you see connected with my name and writing, any images on there, they're done by myself and less otherwise mentioned. So I do my own book covers. Now, I don't really advocate doing your own book covers unless you've got a bit of art training behind you. However, if you've got a good eye and you know, you know what you want, then you know you can also give it a go. So I'm going to have a little chat about images and the way this sort of book cover thing hangs together. Um, mostly because I think it's quite an interesting subject, but also if you have a bit of knowledge, even if you're commissioning a book cover, you have uh, a bit more to go on. So I'm going to have a little bit of a chat about that because I think it's very rarely talked about. OK, so the book cover. So my adult book covers are made by uh, lots of layered up images which have been manipulated within Photoshop. And this is quite a normal way of creating a book cover. The children's book covers are more illustrated. They're, they're, I'm using um, drawings of my own, um, as are the drawings of my own, the illustrations within the chapter books of the Tiger Molly stuff. So, you know, it, there's two different ways of doing it. But the, the most common way is to use images that you're going to um, purchase. Now, I say purchase because I want to really emphasise the fact that you need to purchase your um, any images that you're using. Now, this last couple of weeks, I've been busy working on my um, book cover for my upcoming book, which is called The Midwitch. And this entails um, a woman's face, some flowers and some typeface. And uh, so really, it's only three or four images that I've got there. And when I was sort of showing it to a friend who said, you know, what are you up to? And I said, well, come and have a look. I'm, you know, been working on my book covers. And she said, oh, gosh, she said, what, how, where do you get the images from? Do you use free site? And I said, well, actually, no, I don't. And I wouldn't advocate using a free site. And I know if you're doing a book covers yourself, it might be the fact that you're doing them because, in fact, you know, you're trying to save some money and, you know, perhaps you spent the money on editing and you've got, you know, a limited budget. And I know this is very much the case for many things. And we're all trying to, you know, make ends meet and actually get some money back from our work. However, I wouldn't advocate 
using free sites for your images. The trouble with the free sites is you don't know where those images came from and whether they're actually being um, used, you know, given out legally. It's much, much safer to buy the images, you know, and buy the copyright for them or, you know, a copyright agreement for those images that you're going to use. And I always, always use um, images that I've bought copyright for. Um, so that's very important. The site I use is Shutterstock. I've always been very happy with those. And, um, you know, you get a really clear, really good images. They've got masses of um, different things that you can look through for whatever genre you might be working in. And, you know, there's plenty to choose from is what I'm saying. And, and you know, it's not limiting at all. You know, you can search these sites. It takes quite a while to find something that you feel that you can use that you're going to, you know, that's going to inspire you. However, you know, I would advocate definitely, you can do it quite cheaply. I, I generally sign up and buy the credits for a month and then and then I switch off the the thing so that you don't have to pay again for the following month unless you want another another 10 credits or 20 credits, whatever you bought for. You know, if you look into it, you can do it economically, but it's still better to pay for the um, the work that you're using because somebody created it somewhere. And that also goes for the music I have on the podcast. I, I have the rights for that to use it. Um, also bought on Shutterstock. And there are other sites apart from Shutterstock that you can use. There's there's loads of them actually. So have a look. You know, if you need images for your stuff, then do in fact um, have a look. But I, what I'm saying is pay for them. Pay for the images. Don't do anything without paying for them first because you can come really unstuck if somebody notices their artwork has been used illegally. And it does happen. I mean, I've, se I've been... Um, I've seen designs of mine used on wrapping paper, funnily enough, and I thought, I know that I drew those daffodils and somebody obviously pinched them somewhere along the line and I never got the money for them. Yeah, so it does It does happen. You know, work does get stolen. So, yes, um, happy days. Anyway, so that's my thing. So even although I will, you know, take these images and um, sort of do things with them and I manipulate them to quite a lot, in fact, the photograph that I've used for the woman on the cover of the Midwich book, you can't really recognise her really. She was she's a beautiful model of an older older lady. Well not an older lady, but an older woman, a woman of uncertain years, a bit like myself. Um but she was almost too beautiful, really. So I I've kind of changed her a little bit to make her look still, you know, an attractive woman, but but not quite so strikingly fabulous looking. So I think this lady was obviously a model at some point um, and very photogenic. So I've kind of made her a bit more real, I think. So that's my thing. But you, so you can't really, I don't know whether the woman would look at that photograph and know that that once was her because it's kind of looks like a painting now. You know, so even so, my point is, even though I'm going to manipulate these images really quite a great deal I would still buy them in the first place because um it's the safest way and it's the honest way so that's that so okay so that's that's that said about the the images um so what about the process well the process of making art book covers in particular is very much a thing of um uh it, it's several threads together it's it's looking at what's current at the moment so this book that I'm that I've written the midwitch fits into um magical realism romantic fantasy and uh, rom-com kind of thing is where it fits in 
And obviously I've been looking at lots of book covers within that genre to, to kind of think, you know, what I would like my book cover to look like and what book covers inspire me and what's current, what's what's the trend at the moment, what would make it stand out but also fit in. And this, of course, is the two things that you need to do. You, make, you want your cover to stand out and be its own thing, but you also want it to fit in with the genre and, you know, be a part of you know the the club that you're trying to get into so i you know i what i tend to do is i i keep a big stack of stuff and as i see things that i like and sometimes it's not a book cover sometimes it's just a piece of artwork or might be a magazine picture or something like that and i keep a big file of it on my computer and then i can kind of get these up on another screen when i'm beginning to sort of make sketches and begin to think about what i what it is that i want it to look like Anyway, I had a really clear idea about what I wanted this book cover to look like. You know, very much um, a woman's face, an older woman's face, very bold type. And then these plants kind of twirling round and sort of mixing in with with the with the typeface. And um, as I began to work on the cover, and of course the thing is with Photoshop, it's such a very versatile thing that, you know, you can do just, well, you can just do pretty much anything you want with it and the, what I find is once I get into Photoshop and I'm very happy in Photoshop I could muck about in there all day doing artwork and fiddling around with images and things uh, what I found was the first few book covers that I made okay five book covers that I made were perfectly serviceable you could have used them but they weren't really with my vision of what it was that I wanted this book cover to look like and I think the trouble was I'd kind of gone into Photoshop and then you start messing about with filters and, you know, getting the brushes out and having a bit of a paint and doing this, that and the other. And before you know it, you've created a book cover, which is perfectly nice, but it wasn't quite what I wanted. Well, not even quite what I wanted. It had gone off message into my original idea. So I kind of reined myself back in and thought, right, well, I like these book covers, but this isn't what I wanted. This is not what I wanted this particular book to look like so I've kind of gone back to my original thing and actually sometimes I think a lot of writing or creativity is about sticking with your original plan because it's very easy to get another idea and keep moving around and the trouble with art and photoshop in particular is it's such a fluid thing you know suddenly you've got something in a completely different color and with a whole different thing going on and it's not what you want anyway <laughs> so anyway I have now finalized the book cover and um, it's sitting there just waiting for the dreaded thing the blurb and um, I think I've got a good tagline but I'm going to mess about with that a little bit longer which brings me to think about um, having a quick chat with you about the blurb and uh, I had a friend over a couple of weeks ago and uh, she was sort of working on her blurb most sensibly you know giving herself you know a good couple of weeks in order to do that and uh, we were sort of writing together and sitting together um, doing some work and uh, and I thought yes that's a really good thing and so I've kind of taken a leaf out of her book and I'm, I'm really spending some time working on my blurb and my taglines and you know writing several and messing about with them and I'll probably send them to my editor as well to see what she's got to say so that's the other thing but of course obviously the book cover the, the print version can't go out until the blurb is on there although and I would quite like the blurb to be ready when I start sending it out to ARC readers. So, yeah, happy days. Which brings me back to the question of fonts. Um, I think fonts are very, very important on book covers. You need to really mess about until you find the font that really fits in with what you're trying to 
um, achieve the images that you're trying to um, work on. And when you're doing your book cover, you need to really start with the fonts. I think a lot of people muck about with images and then put the put the words on afterwards, almost as if it's a afterthought. Well, really, the best way, and I've learned this through bitter experience, is to put the fonts on first. You need to choose your fonts because somehow it kind of um, it donates exactly how this whole thing is going to look. And you'd be surprised how, although when you look at book covers, you don't really look at the fonts and think, oh, that's a fabulous font. I'm going to like this book. You look at the book cover and you look at the images involved on the front of the cover and you think, that's a fabulous book. I'm going to really enjoy it. And it's almost like you don't notice the fonts unless you're sort of looking at fonts because you're in the book cover world. But generally, fonts go unnoticed. However, they are incredibly important. And I would definitely advocate starting with the fonts. Decide what sort of font you want it to look like and then, you know, get on with it and put it on the cover first and then work the images so that the whole thing hangs together as a whole. Um, it's not really a case of fitting the fonts around the images and you you almost have to do the whole thing again. Trust me, I know this. So if you are doing your own book covers, that's where you start. Decide on your sizes and all that kind of thing and then get your fonts on there and, and, and go on from there. So, yeah, so the fonts have been a little bit of a problem because I was in Shutterstock and I looked through their font library that they've got there and decided that I would, you know, perhaps get something more unusual. But then when I found, uh, when it was came to the time of, uh, so I did in fact buy one and when I um, bought, bought the rights to it and when it actually came to trying to use it, I was unable to open the vector file that you get the fonts in. And you can open them, I believe, in um, Adobe Design or uh, Adobe Illustration. But I just have Adobe Photoshop, as do a lot of people. And I did go back to Shutterstock and hope they'd kind of, you know, help me out there. And they gave me some things about how to do it, but it was all very complicated. And really what I wanted to do was just open these fonts and load them into load them into the Photoshop. So, you know, so have a look if you're looking at fonts and you're going to get them from a different a different font library, you know, from from a you know a place where you buy images from and other things. Um, make sure you're able to open them in whatever program you use. And if you're using Shutterstock, you're going to also need um, to open. If you're using Photoshop, you're also going to have to need something else in order to open the fonts in because they don't open directly into Photoshop from uh, vector diagrams. So. You know, it's a little bit complicated. I don't think I've explained that very well, but I'm just saying my point is watch out for the font thing. So how did I get round the font thing? Well, in the end, I decided that the best way would be to use Adobe free fonts. And if you just look up um, Adobe free fonts library, there are so many fonts in there. Really, if you start rooting through and, and you're, you're getting past the things that are just, you know, generally come up on your normal computer, you can find pretty much anything that you need that more or less matches something that you might have seen on a book cover that you want to emulate. So I would I would definitely advocate using Adobe free fonts and they open in Photoshop, no problem at all. And there's thousands and thousands of them. You can spend days, as I did, looking through and finding the sort of thing that you wanted. And um, yeah, and you can sort of tell it exactly what sort of font that you're looking for. So if you're looking for a, a font that's, you know, you want it to be bold or you want swashes on it or stuff like that, you can 
you can hone your search down in order to find a font that you want. So that's what I, I would advocate. Get in there, have a look at Adobe Free Fonts. I bet you'd find exactly what you need. And of course, it goes without saying is never use more than two fonts on any book cover. So don't go and use a different one for your, your author name and then another one for the blurb and another one for the tagline. You know, if you can either keep it all on the same font and use a different kind of version of that font, that usually works quite well. So if you're using bold for the title, then you could probably use, you know, not bold for the for the other bits and pieces. Or you can find a font that's very similar but is slightly different so you know try and match them up you know I've I've got two fonts on my book cover and I it's generally I generally stick to two on um, anything that I do so that's kind of a thing I think it does um, it can look very unprofessional if you use lots of different fonts and if you look at um, traditionally published books you'll see that they in fact generally either use just the one font or maybe two so you know watch out for that that's another little thing okay so while we're on the picture side of things, of course, um, as I bring this book out into the world, one of the things it needs is a place on my website. And I kind of feel that this book is, I feel it's got legs, really. I'm, I'm very fond of it. And possibly I think you're always fond of the thing that you've written the most recently. So I, one of my other big jobs in the next few weeks is to make a a space for it on my website. I, I'll probably put it at the top of my website now and probably put the the fantasy work and things at the other end of my website, if you see what I mean. So this is going to come up on the front pages. And, uh, you know, I kind of feel it obviously needs things like um, an author sign-up page and a bit of a giveaway or something, which I was kind of thinking about in bed this morning. I think something popped into my head. So all that needs rearranging. And it's just another another thing that needs doing before the before the book gets launched so it's no good just launching the book and not having anywhere for anybody to go um, so that's the other thing that needs doing and of course once I've got my book cover which I think is nearly nearly there once I've got that and the blurb and all those kind of things really finalized then you know going into my website and sorting that out will be one of my very next jobs so that's the other visual thing Okay, so what else did I want to talk to you about? Well, the other thing I want to talk to you about was that old chestnut TikTok. So TikTok, I think I mentioned on, um, you know, at my desk bit that I do at the front of the interviews. I think I was talking about that I was setting up the TikTok shop. Well, I have in fact set up a TikTok shop um, for my my fantasy books and for my children's books, which I write under the other name of Tiger Molly, as you know. And... Uh, well, has it how's it been? Well, if you're on TikTok at all, you will see this popping up all the time. Join the TikTok shop. It's dead easy, blah, blah, blah. You know, in fact, it's all over the place. They're very, very keen to get people to sign up and sell things um, through the app. And they do make out that it is quite an easy thing to do. Um, I have to say, hand on heart, I've found it really tricky. And although I think you know, it's very easy for us to sort of go, oh, well, you know, I'm obviously a bit stupid and perhaps that's why it hasn't worked out for me. And, you know, maybe I'm not very good at this tech stuff. And, you know, that is my first reaction to say, well, it's probably my fault. But then again, I sort of think, well, you know, I self-publish. I run a podcast. I you know I run two websites, which I manage myself. So I'm not that tech rubbish, if you see what I mean. 
I'm actually not too bad at all. And I found it really, really hard. I mean, obviously, e-commerce is a whole new game to learn. But I do sell um, paperback books from my website. So I've, I've some experience of setting up a e-commerce thing. So, yeah, have I found the TikTok shop tricky? I found it really tricky to get going. It's It feels it's been very glitchy. I still don't think it's quite working. Um, it, you know, it, it's odd to look at and you sort of put these tickets in when you have a problem uh, or get somebody online, but they kind of can't always answer your question straight away. I think they've got a lot of people on there that are very polite and, you know, able to come on and try and help you, but they don't seem to quite solve the problem. It, it generally goes back and forth several times with them saying, could you send us a screenshot? Could you send us another screenshot? Could you try this and then do that? So it has been really, really hard. I don't think mine is quite working yet. Um, as far as I can tell, it's up there. Um, the You know, the, the TikTok shop is up there. The books are there. I've looked on other people's um, apps who's got my my profile up to see if the books are on there they seem to be um, have I had a sale yet no I have not had a sale yet so maybe that's quite telling yeah so I haven't I haven't had any sales yet so you know I think uh, so what am I telling you this for I'm saying you know go into it with your eyes open it's not going to be easy I don't think it's really geared up for authors to be honest although you know there are a few successful authors on there that are, seem to be doing quite well. Is it going to be worth doing? Well, I think the nice thing about it is the commission that they're charging is, you know, per sale of your book is actually really low. And you do get a really low commission for the first three months. Not that I've sold anything yet. Um, so I think that's quite good. And you can set it up for free, which is pretty good. Unlike, you know, setting up an e-commerce thing on your website, which obviously costs money. So, you know, on the whole, I think, that's quite nice. I don't I don't feel that they're ripping me off. And the help is there. It just takes a while to, you know, go through the TikTok thing in order to, um, you know, get the help you need and to solve each little problem. So, yeah, it, it's it's tricky. It's fairly tricky to do. The other thing is that they're quite keen for you to go live um, in order to sell your products, which I kind of feel is not really for me. I mean, I probably will do it. And I know that sounds, you know, obviously I feel it's not really for me. And yet here I am, you know, doing a podcast and here I am doing a solo podcast. So it's not as if I'm not used to getting myself out there because I am. But even I kind of think, oh, I don't know, maybe it's the selling side of something, whereas the podcast is just, you know, I'm sharing information. I'm, you know, helping, I hope, helping other authors and, and stuff like that, which is a different kind of thing. So perhaps it, perhaps it gives, gives me the ick that I'm going live and going, oh, you know, here's my book or blah, blah, blah. And I think it's not like products. I mean, there's loads of people on there putting makeup on, going, oh, you know, try this lipstick or whatever. Well, you, well, what do you do with a book? Read a bit of it or something? I mean, maybe that's the answer. I don't know. So have I gone live with it? No, I have not. Will I? Hmm, I suppose so, if that's what they want. I suppose that's the game I'll have to play. But um, we shall see. So while we're on the TikTok social media thing, um, I think the whole setting up the TikTok shop has kind of got to me over the last couple of weeks. And this week, have I been on social media? Hardly at all, actually. I've really kind of got to a point where I thought I actually can't face doing that this morning. 
Whereas normally I get up in the morning, I put it, I put something up on TikTok on both sites, on the Tiger Molly and the DJ Bowman Smith. And then if I can, I do something again in the afternoon or sort of early evening. And if I'm really on it, I will sit and do, you know, maybe once or twice a week, I'll sit and make a couple of um, videos or bits and pieces so that I've kind of got them in the draft section so that it's, it's easy to pop them up when I need to. So I'm trying to sort of post across two sites twice a day. So that's four TikToks a day if I can, or at the least two. And on the whole, I'm pretty good, you know. And then I also go into Twitter and uh, have a little fiddle on there because I've been on there for years, I've often said. And I might bounce some of this stuff over into um, Instagram, which I find has no traction for me personally, um, but I stick it on there and the same on Facebook. But this week, I kind of thought, I, I just, every morning I would sort of look at my phone. And I thought, I don't even want to play on the app. I don't even want, because sometimes I don't feel like posting, but I'm quite happy to play on the app and look at all the bits and pieces that people are doing. And, you know, and it interests me. I like books, you know, and, I, and I'm a great reader as well. So it, it's all fine. But then, you know, so I haven't really picked up the phone in that capacity this week. So I'm just giving you this because you know what? It's fine. It's okay to have a social media rest. It's okay to just not feel like it and just put it aside. I've just decided that this week has not been for me social media wise. And and I think I've, I've poked a couple of tweets out and obviously I've popped my, you know, this up, the, the, you know, the words and pictures podcast. I've put that out because that's, you know, that's for somebody else, you know, whoever the guest was that particular week. But, you know, I, so I've kind of left it and it's it's fine. And I'm sure next week um, and tomorrow's Monday, I'm, I'm doing this on a Sunday today. Um, I'm sure next week I'll be I'll be on it. You know, I'll, I'll have some ideas and I, you know, I'll begin to think about what what it is that I want to do. And, and I'll have another little play with it and I'll come back to it afresh. So what I'm saying is, you know, it's fine. It's fine to just put the social media down occasionally and just think, you know what? not today or not this week and just and just leave it be you know it's all still there when you go back it doesn't disappear you know you don't go back and go oh gosh I've lost 50,000 followers or anything because it really doesn't happen like that it just sits there waiting for you and then when you go back on you go again so I would say I would advocate taking a break in fact you know and then you can come back to it like anything with a bit more renewed vigor well that's my hope anyway and uh, generally that is my experience because this isn't the first time this has happened you know I've quite often had a bit of a social media break um every couple of months I have a funny week and think yeah no not not today so there we are which brings me to my last subject on this little um podcast so I would like to talk about the actual podcast itself. So I decided to take this episode because it's episode number 40, which I feel is quite a milestone. And um, I just thought I'd have a quick chat to you about, you know, podcasting in general and, you know, what it means to be a podcaster. So the podcasting has been really interesting. I really, really enjoyed it. I don't quite know why I started it. It kind of, the idea kind of grew from, you know, I began to start recording some of my children's stuff on audio and then thought, you know, I've got this mic, perhaps I'll, I'll throw a little podcast out there. So I kind of had a little go and I've been surprised how 
um, how many people are willing to come on and join me as a guest and how enthusiastic they've been. And in fact, how many listeners I get, even though the podcast in you know relative terms is really quite young and quite new. So although I feel, gosh, 40 episodes, that's quite a long way. You know, we're nearly getting up to my first year here because the podcast comes out once a week. Um, you do the maths. And so, yeah, so that's been fine. So I've really, really enjoyed it. And I've, I've been quite impressed by how um, positive people have been about the whole podcast thing. So what are the um, the benefits and the problems of podcasting? Well, the main problem I find, the main two problems, maybe there's three problems. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's three problems. Okay, so the, the first thing is time. It takes quite a lot of time to actually do the podcast. Um, so there's the interview itself, but of course the interview doesn't happen unless I've pitched for interviewees. Although these days I'm getting quite a few people pitch me. So if you're listening to this and you think, oh, I'd like to come on, then, you know, do get in touch. I, you know, I'd be happy to have you. I'm not fussy about who comes on the podcast. I don't care if you're madly successful or you're just running a write local writers group. Or in fact, if you're in the publishing industry in a different way, you know, if you're a book cover designer or an advertiser or some other way, you know, give me give me a shout and we'll have a chat. Um, so, yeah, so the interview thing is one thing. So I find approaching people is not a problem for me. I'm fairly outgoing in that respect. You know, and normally, obviously, I've just said that I've had a bit of a break from social media, but generally you'll find me on social media. And, you know, when I see somebody who looks fairly interesting, I just give them a little shake and see if they'd like to come on. And most times, I would I would say eight times out of ten, people say yes, which is pretty good, really. And then it's just a case of um, pinning them down and, you know, setting the date and sending the Zoom invite. Uh, after the interview has done, then obviously the, the interviews need, the whole thing needs editing. That takes a little while because you'd be surprised how many funny little things people do when they talk so people you know will say um in between while they're making while they're trying to decide what they're going to say next uh, they, they might make mouth clicks which sounds like that uh, some people uh, pause a long time in between and so when you hear that back there's like a huge gap in between me asking a question and then they have a little think and they say and you wouldn't notice that in normal speech but somehow when things are recorded then you know it becomes much much more apparent and this is the thing with a podcast um i talked to somebody who also runs a podcast and the best advice she gave me was imagine you're just talking to somebody in the room and i i think that's just about the best th way you can think about it because if you just sort of speak in your own normal voice and imagine that you're just talking to somebody in the room somehow the recording comes out much better. If you try and throw your voice or try and sound more intelligent or any of that kind of thing, it, it just doesn't work. So that's the thing with the editing. You need to kind of take out any little quirks that a person might make. And then, of course, there's the odd background noise. Um, occasionally, people bang, bang the desk when they're sitting or they wave their arms around when they're talking and stuff like that. <laughs> and that's pretty funny. So sometimes you might have to cut a bit of that kind of thing out as well. And also, you know, you chat away, especially me, and I start waffling on. And then when I come to listen to it back, I cut quite a bit of my waffle out because I think the, the listener wants to hear what the interviewee is saying, not me writing on. Uh, 
So that's that thing. So obviously, if the if the interview is about forty minutes, initially, you know, I'll I'll edit it down, and it'll it'll be about half an hour. You usually lose about ten minutes in chops, chops in edits. And then, of course, I put the music on the front and then I do my front bit of talk and the end bit of talk. And then when that's all done, I take it out of GarageBand where I do my editing. Now, I'd really recommend GarageBand. It's easy to use. I was lucky. I had my daughter's a sound engineer and she taught me some basic, basic stuff so that I can kind of work this program. But but it's very user friendly. I haven't had any problems with it at all. So I really recommend if you've got a Mac, it comes free with Mac. Um, I don't know whether you can get it on other other things but the garage band's been great i really enjoyed using it it's fine uh, and then i i export it out as an mp3 and then i do a funny thing is i put it through a thing called orphonic which kind of levels out the sound um now today i probably won't do that because it's just me talking and so i'm not trying to um level out my voice with somebody else and i'm quite softly spoken if you met me in real life and so quite often the other person's voice is more loud, loud than myself, especially if that person happens to be um, from overseas as American. You know, and, and the, the disparity between my quiet English voice and, and a louder person can sound really jarring, you know, again on the recording. So what the Orphonic thing does is the Orphonic, uh, and you can find Orphonic, you can just, um, you know, join it and, you know, you, you buy so many credits for you know whatever it is i think they give you an hour free a month or something so it's quite it's quite um you have to pay for it i do have to pay for that side of it uh but but of course the good thing is it does make it sound much better you can do without it as i will today i'm just going to leave the music on and it's just me chatting and you know it'll be fine but normally i always run it through the euphonic in order to make the two voices fit together and sound um you know more homogenous i suppose after the euphonic then i load it up onto my host site which is podbean again i have to pay for this now you can use free sites for podcasting but the trouble with the free sites is they kind of own your intellectual property a little bit and i'm always up for owning your intellectual property and again you know i was talking about that earlier about you know buying the images that you're going to use for your book covers and things like that so that you own what you've got you're not you're not ever worried that you've got something that isn't that either doesn't belong to you or that somebody else has got something of yours that doesn't really belong to them and so I do pay for my hosting sites I use Podbean I found them to be very good um, and I haven't heard any problems with anybody who's tried to access the the podcast they've been able to find it across you know all the normal usual apps and they can get it on Alexa and all those kinds of things so, you know, definitely do that. So, yeah, I don't use the free hosting sites for podcasts either. And then after that, when it's on the that, obviously there's the show notes to write that goes up on the Podbean and that also appears onto my um, on my website as well. So, yeah, that's all well and good. And then, of course, there's the advertising of it, which is another thing, another, you know, another time drain. So the the three main problems of the podcasting are, you know, you have to pay, I have to pay for it. It costs me money in order to put it out there. Um, and, you know, and it's a time thing. And so what's the third thing you're asking? Well, the third thing is noise. Noise is the problem. <laughs> it's sometimes it's really hard 
to find a quiet minute in either to either conduct the interview, you know, or just find a bit of quiet so that you can actually, you know, finish the podcast off, you know, edit, edit the interview and then put the front and back on, you know, in a bit of quiet, record that other little solo bit that I do. Yeah, so I mean, I live here with my husband. There's just the two of us, well, and the dog. You can probably hear her fidgeting every now and again. She's waiting for a walk. Um, so it is pretty. It is pretty quiet. But even said, even that said, normal life is noisy. You know, there's things happening. There's somebody ringing the doorbell, or the phone's peeping, or you know the seagulls. We have a lot of seagulls here. I've got a skylight in this office, which is entirely helpful. So there's all those kinds of things that are, you know, it's hard to find a really quiet minute. And that that can be a bit trying sometimes. And you bet your life, you know, I'm just settling down to sort the podcasting out. And then my husband wants to mow the lawn or start up the motorbike or whatever it is. So, you know, family life can get a bit tricky. And it's even like this morning, my husband's away today. He's gone to help with my, I help my two daughters. They're doing up an old house together. He's gone over there to do some DIY this morning. And so the house is quiet. And then as I'm sitting here, suddenly the bread machine comes on in the kitchen next door. And it just makes such a racket that I literally had to just stop what I was doing. And I went and had some lunch, actually, you know, while the bread machine did what it needed to do and then shut up again. And, you know, people just don't realise how many things, you know, encroach on on the podcast how many sounds get in there so you know you're trying to make a nice thing for people to listen to so you know that is the third big problem and and I've got things in place here to try and mop the sound up so that it's a nice quiet room that I'm recording in but even so sometimes the sound thing can be a bit of a challenge so uh, be warned so lastly the podcast I have to say I have a bit of a vision for it and I think this is kind of happened a lot more since I've been doing it that I've begun to think what it is that I want the podcast to do well eventually obviously I'd like it to pay for itself and and hopefully as it goes on um, I'll be able to put a Patreon thing on here so that people can you know donate or you know, support the podcast in some way. And also in the fullness of time, I will put some adverts on here. But of course, the podcast has to be quite big before you're able, able to do that. And, and also, it needs to be running for quite some time. You know, it's a case of, you know, grow, growth every week. You know, you get a few more listeners each week, and that's great. But uh, obviously, the more listeners, the better. And the quicker that happens is the better for me. Uh, because, you know, like I say, it does cost in order to do it. So I'll be happy to you know, start monetizing the podcast so that I can, um, you know, I get it to pay for itself initially and then hopefully get a little bit back from it, which would be even more amazing. So that's, you know, one of the reasons and I and I make no bones about it. You know, obviously I'd like to make some money for it. I'm not, I've never been one of those writers that writes and says, oh, I just write for, for the love of it and I don't expect anything about it. No, I write because Yes, I do love it, but also I would like some money back for it and I would like to make a bit of cash. And it's the same with the podcast. I do love it. I love doing the podcast. It's been absolutely fascinating. But would I like it to be monetized? Absolutely, I would. And I think it's kind of a mark of success as well. So, you know, so by me. So <laughs> the other thing is, um, I'd like to have a quick chat about the guests on board. So 
so far I've had a really varied amount of guests and I'd really like to keep it that way. I don't ever want the podcast to be so formulaic that I'm only talking to, you know, people who are like you know, super successful or people that are in the indie author space or only traditionally published authors or any of that kind of thing. I don't want it to have a have a thing where where I've sort of fallen into some groove. I, I really want the Words and Pictures podcast to be, you know, you know, about writers and the images that they use if we get round to talking to that. Although I do notice that I'm really bad about asking them about the images. It always kind of sips my mind, but I'll, I'll try and improve. But I think what I really want it to be is that lots of people at different stages of their writing life can come in and have a chat on the Words and Pictures podcast. And, and that's what I think is really, really important to me as, as a creative here. I want it to be so that even if people are just starting out or you know, are not, are not also what genre that they write in. I'm not looking for people that are only writing literary fiction or thrillers or, you know, the main genres that we're all fond, fond and know. I, I want it to be, you know, lots of people doing lots of different things because that's what interests me. And I think that's what interests the listener. And the feedback that I'm getting is that people are quite interested to hear somebody talk who isn't somebody they would have, you know, bothered to listen to before or hadn't really come across their pathway before so keep it coming guys so that said although when I'm on social media I try and pick lots of different people across you know whatever I see that whatever comes in front of my my nose as you were as you will and, and ask them and invite them to come on and be a guest on the podcast I have noticed that a few people are really tricky to get hold of. <laughs> so uh, so it's it's interesting because if you if you ask a thriller, a, ma- a male thriller writer or a guy who writes horror or even a guy who writes fantasy, if you ask him onto the podcast, generally he's there. He'll get straight back to you. He's on it and on you go. So they're always absolutely a dead cert. Uh female thriller writers not quite so easy to get hold of but having said that they I can get a few of those on romance writers not too bad I've had quite a few romance writers so the the tricky ones to get hold of are I would say uh, people who write for children and of course, because I also write for children, I always want to have them on because I'd like to, you know, I, w- I want to have that to and from, you know, because we're writing in a similar genre and I you know, want to know what they've got to say. So it's very hard to get children's writers on. Yeah, very, very strange. I haven't had anybody who writes nonfiction yet. And I maybe have I asked some nonfiction writers? I have once or twice and haven't really had any feedback. So, you know, that's that's quite interesting. So if you are writing a nonfiction book and you'd like to come and be the first nonfiction um, guest on the Words and Pictures podcast, do get in touch because I'd love to hear from you and I don't mind what it is you're writing about. And the other thing is, strangely, is erotica. For some reason, and I've asked many writers of erotica or in fact, writers who would write what would be termed these days in the modern world as spicy romance. No, I cannot seem to get somebody who writes spicy romance. For some reason, they, you know, they're, they're, they're actually quite shy, which is, you know, I would have thought that would have been the other way around. Anyway, 
So that's quite interesting. So there are obviously many genres where I haven't had the writers on yet. So if you're one of those, if you think, oh, I've been listening to this podcast for a while, you've never had blah, de, blah, de, blah. Either if you know that person, give them a shake and see if they want to come on. Or if that person is you, well, get into contact. Let's have you. Let's have you on the show. Yeah, so happy days. Right, so that's it. I am looking at the time and I think I am almost out of time, <laughs> which is great fun. So anyway, it's been lovely to have a quick chat here. Um, the other thing is, if you would like me to, um, if you want to ask me questions, I've been in the um, independent author space for a very long time now. And I also know other people that have been in it even longer than me. Um, you know, get it, get in touch, ask me a question. I'd be happy to answer your questions on the show so you know try that if, if that would interest you you can find my email on my website and my website is www.djbowmansmith.com and if you want to find me as tiger molly um well find tigermolly.com and that's my um author name for children right that's it then that's me having a little bit of a chat thank you for listening i can't believe we're already on episode number 40 brilliant well done us. Um, keep listening. Tell your friends. It's been lovely to have you. Until next time. This has been the Words and Pictures podcast. I'm DJ Bowman-Smith. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.